morning I want to share the word of the Lord Jesus with you. I want you to understand something very, very important. What consumes your mind controls your life. What you are consuming and consumed with will navigate your soul, your heart, your mind towards that thing you crave. So what you consume your mind with controls your life. And researchers claim the average American is exposed to over 1,500 advertisements per day. Billions of dollars are spent annually to convince you to buy things. It is working on you relentlessly. And with the advent of a mobile device, you are constantly being pursued to keep your face in the screen. You're constantly being beckoned and called upon. This AI, artificial intelligence, is geared and engineered to pay attention to what your likes are, what your dislikes are, and to continually promote that and ring and tap into you to keep you glued to its screen for one reason, advertising. To convince you, you need this. To draw on your consumerism and our American gluttony. Just the average human spirit to desire more. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the targets that this constant barrage is happening to us. Nearly a third of Americans say that they are online almost constantly. The average American spends 5.4 hours a day on their phone. Millennials spend slightly more than that. You might say, no, I don't. I just check things now and then. But your constant checking, your constant referring, your constant is grabbing. And uh, it, it surprised me uh, about a week ago, uh, I was talking to someone and they said, you know, they're fearful of the mark of the beast. And they're fearful that, you know, when that mark comes, they're going to be able to track where you are. They're going to be able to have access to all your information. They're going to be able to know what you're thinking and doing. And they said, we're afraid it's coming. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> What's in your pocket? doesn't need to be tattooed or implanted on your wrist or in your forehead. It's already here. Now look at, I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast. Please understand, the mark, when the mark of the beast comes, you will have a very determined decision to make. It's not going to be subtle. It's not going to sneak up on you. It's not going to come because of something you weren't knowing. It is going to become as a deliberate, intentional denial of Jesus Christ. You either take this by denying Christ or you will not receive it. That's how it's so, so, I mean, there's so many are fearful. I'm going on a separate track, but I'm just trying to say, we're already at the place where they know where you are, what you think and what you're doing and what you want. Have a conversation and then in a half hour, look at your phone. Every ad will be based on the conversation you had 10 minutes ago. What's my point? What you are constantly giving yourself to is what you will become. 13% of millennial and 5% of boomers say they spend over 12 hours every day on their phone. 
That's the younger generation. It's what they have. It's what's drawing them and attracts them. Social media takes up the bulk of the time. Americans spend uh, an hour and uh, a number of minutes a day on Facebook and Instagram. The concept is that we don't want to miss out on something. And so we might miss a tweet, we might miss a post, we might miss what someone else is saying. All the time we're missing what's in front of our faces. We're missing what's right here. Ah, If it's not a mobile device, maybe it is your favorite activity. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's sport. Maybe it's something else. What is consuming your mind and your heart? Jesus said, I want you to consume me. He literally did. He said, I want you to feed on me. What does he mean by that, to be feeding on him? He wants him to be the sole delight of your attitude. He wants his word to be the sole food that you're eating and absorbing so that you understand reality. We are in an altered state of reality. It's going to be harder and harder for you to hold on to your faith because our faith is going to be so diametrically uh, opposed to what the rest of the world is living at for their reality. They don't have a transcendent truth. They think your truth is foolish. Everything within the trends of this world are moving into an altered state of reality. And that's hard for us. Am I the only one? Is it hard for you to realize that everything that's moving and happening is actually in such a distorted, twisted manner? But we've got to go back to the Word. And if you're not feeding on Jesus, it will be easy to be deceived. Easy to be deceived. It's called the digital flow, the effort to capture your mind, thought, and emotions. It's time-consuming, mind-consuming. For many people, consumerism is a type of spirituality now. It's a way of pursuing meaning and identity, a way of connecting with other people. We've stopped connecting heart to heart. Now we just communicate with our devices And we think we're closer, but we're lonely and isolated. They've done more tests on Americans finding that most people are isolated and alone. Yet they're so active on their social media. But it's media. If we could tweet Jesus and Instagram Jesus, we would instead of spending the time talking to him. Industries are using essential components of life to snare your mind. So they're, they're talking about love. They're talking about hope. They're talking about relationship. They're talking about achievements. They're talking about all the things that stir the human emotion, but they're doing it digitally so that you feel the connection, but you're not doing it. So what are you feeding on and what are you consuming? I have to ask that. And Jesus said this in John chapter 6. If you'd turn there, I want you to see what Jesus does. Jesus draws an extremely radical statement as a line in the sand to people's devotion. Jesus had fed 5,000, Jesus had done amazing miracles, and he went to the other side of the sea, and the number of people followed him, 
come on, the road show's going on. I want to see what he's going to do next. This is awesome. And so they go over there, and Jesus recognizes that the only reason those people are there is because they want to see another miracle, and they want to get some more free food. Costco's at lunch hour. John 6, 35, and he says this to start his statement out. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So he's saying, I'm your food, and I'm your drink. You need me. When, when you, you're hungry for something, don't go shopping, come to me. When you're disturbed about something, don't take a drink, think of me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, I'm the bread of life, and I'm the wine to drink. Come to me. And he, that sounds fine, that's a nice statement. But he goes on in verses 53 to 56. And he says this, truly, truly, this is what a prophet says when he's about to speak. Truly, truly, I say to you, amin, amin, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food. My blood is the true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. What? That's the freakiest thing ever. And to a crowd of Jews, that's anathema. That's, that's against the book of Leviticus. It is a, it's very specific. There's no cannibalism in Judaism. You don't eat people. What the heck is he saying? This is absolutely outrageous. And it caused such a split in the crowd. They said, we're out of here. This dude's nuts. Wants us to start chewing on his body, drinking his blood. This is weird. Is this Halloween or something? What's going on? And so Jesus said that purposely. Did he mean it literally? Or is this just a, an analogy? Is it a metaphor for something? I believe that he did mean it literally in the spirit. Because he wants us to consume his flesh and his blood. What does that mean? Applied to our life. His flesh, his blood. Now, now, what many people do, and this has been a debate through church history, they make this about the Eucharist, which is the Eucharist is a Greek word for Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving meal, or we call it communion, the Lord's Supper. And they say, well, this is a direct reference to the Lord's Supper. Martin Luther was fighting with the reformists and Zwingli about the wording here. Is it literally his body and blood? The Catholics believe that transubstantiation takes place and when the priest prays the prayer to change the very molecules of the bread and the wine into Jesus' literal body and blood, he'll ring the bell. That's when it happens. And so the people receive, literally, according to John 6, his flesh and his blood. 
But even in that, that's a contradiction to what Leviticus says in God's law as to not eat flesh and blood of a human being. Luther wouldn't go that far, and Luther said it still says flesh and blood, so he says instead of transubstantiation, the substance transforming, he called it consubstantiation. Con means alongside the substance. So alongside the actual bread and wine, Jesus' flesh and blood come next to or alongside that bread and wine with it. However it gets there, it's still a problem. And that is still also a problem to Jesus' full humanity. He is fully God and fully man. And so if you say his body is being split up throughout the entire earth as people are taking communion, that negates his humanity as being in heaven. Spiritually, he can be everywhere. But physical body is one place in heaven. So that's a problem as well. So what do we believe? And what is Jesus trying to say? 57 through 59, he says this, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He's saying he's a loaf of bread that came from heaven. Chew me up. That's, so you have to understand the dynamic of what he means by eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's, he's not saying to literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. He goes on to say, it is the Spirit who gives life. And that's the life he's talking about. If you feed on me, you'll have eternal life, spirit life. So he says it's of the Spirit. The flesh is no help at all. This should help us understand what he's saying. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's not saying literally cannibalize me. Because this body, once it, what it does on the cross will achieve what's necessary, but what you need to eat and drink is what my spirit brings. What, the, what my body accomplished at the cross is what you need to eat and drink. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus is saying, you must feed on me. You must feed on the bread. My words, my spirit, that's the body and blood of Jesus. His body and blood are before the throne of God in heaven, and by the spirit of God, you have the ability to eat on the, what Christ has accomplished for you. Does that make sense to you? To eat what Christ has done for you. To consume and feed on Him is to daily, routinely, and regularly partake in what Christ has accomplished for you. His real presence. The church talks about the real presence of Jesus. And again, they make it taking communion. So in some groups of Christians, when you say, did you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? They'll say, yeah, I had communion last week. Because 
in their mind, they've been taught that if they have communion, they've received Jesus. Do you know that there are some people who, who are in a religious sense can have communion because they think they've received Jesus, but they've never received Christ as Savior and Lord? That would be a horrible thing, wouldn't it? And it's the responsibility of the teachers to teach properly. What are we receiving? His body and blood? Or what his body and blood accomplished at the cross? That's what I'm feeding on. I'm feeding all the promises that are now mine in Christ Jesus. I'm feeding on his relationship and his word which is now alive in me by his spirit. I'm feeding on the benefit of what his blood accomplished in heaven because it is applied to me by a living and indwelling Holy Spirit. And I have to feed on him daily. I have to feed on him. And that's what Jesus is saying. What are you spending your time on? How much are you really understanding? If we just turn ourselves into a people of religious rite, of sacraments, but daily do not attend to Him. We're fooling ourselves. And so many people think that a religious sacrament is going to accomplish what Christ Himself wants to accomplish moment by moment in your life. And so, brothers and sisters, you and I are much too distracted. We're eating too many sweets. We're eating too much garbage that the world is giving us. We're consumed with all of this temporal stuff when Jesus says, feed on me. Feed on me. It's really a simple message that how, I don't know how through church history it got so complicated and so divisive. But I I share with you, it's all that Jesus is saying. It's not what the flesh accomplishes. It's what the Spirit does. And the Spirit is what we should be feeding on. He's our bread. He's our wine. So drink and eat of the Spirit's life-giving flow. Would you bow your head this morning? Would you please take inventory of your own heart and ask yourself, beyond your devotion time, beyond praying before meals and before you go to bed, are you feeding on Jesus? In all of your activities, in all your downtime or busyness, Jesus said, you must feed on me. If you will not feed on me, you have no part in me. There's no religious fix-it-up. There's no religious sacrament that replaces the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind. So, Father, we bow our heads and take inventory and ask ourselves, and I'll speak for myself, Father, how distracted I am from you, from your Spirit. I have not been feeding on you, Jesus, enough. 
I've not been eating the bread of life, your word, enough. I've not been drinking the wine or the benefits of your blood through the Spirit in me enough. I pray that we as a people will begin to recognize how the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy our intimacy with you. May we know the whisper of your voice. May we know the gentleness of your touch. May we know the heartbeat that you have for the lost. May we know the truth that separates from the lies of this world. God, activate us with a spiritual hunger. Would you become hungry for Jesus again? Would you become hungry to pant for him like a deer pants for the waters? Where your soul cannot be satisfied unless you draw from him and him alone. Oh, won't you be hungry for Christ again? Won't you be hungry to draw and to sup? He said, if you will let me in, I will come and dine with you. Let us partake and feed on Jesus. It is ours. Come and dine freely. Father, fill us up, I pray, and draw us now by your Holy Spirit. I ask for this in the name of Jesus. And if you're asking for it too, would you just take a minute on your own prayer time and, and ask the Lord to help you draw near to Him so that you may feed and feed on Him. Thank you, Jesus. You're our cornerstone. Our affections, our desires, we pour out on you. I pray for an intimacy that is not like we've ever experienced before. I am asking for a new anointing and a new level that each one of us would operate in. I am asking that as a people of God, we are graduating into another level of intimacy and desire to feed on Christ Jesus. Wake up, O sleeper, and arise to the beauty of Christ. Be captivated by His glory. And if that's your heart's desire, say amen this morning. Amen, amen and amen.